Hi friends, Evelina here. Welcome to the Homecomings Podcast, an audible initiative sharing vulnerable conversations with purpose-driven creatives on their life journeys, all with the intention to inspire people listening to discover the meaning of home in their own lives and come deeper back to their truest versions of self. We use home as a metaphor to represent all that beckons comfort, familiarity, and belonging for your unique life journey. Whether that's through the work that you do, the people you surround yourself with, or the things that bring you the most joy in life. Because to live a life with more home means to live a more mindful and beautiful life. And isn't that the greatest intention for us all? I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello friends, happy Tuesday, happy pod Tuesday. I'm so excited to share today's guest on the show today, Samson Odusanya. Samson Odusanya is a guide with the mission of supporting people and experiencing the fullness of their power and wholeness within themselves so they can feel alive and thrive. I have had the pleasure of working with Samson actually last year in January. He came on my radar in a very unexpected Um, but very serendipitous and kismet way, which we dive into the story a little bit on the podcast. So I'll, I will spare the, um, I'll spare the details here. So tune in to listen because you'll, you'll understand how our kismet meeting came to be. But through that serendipitous connection, I had the opportunity to connect and work with Samson in his 12 week container that he was launching last year called In the Flash. Essentially what it was, was a 12 week digital program um, it was a very intimate setting. I want to say there were seven or eight of us total in the group. It was a group coaching container where every week we would tune in for calls two to three hours or so with Samson as a fil- facilitator, all with the intention to help us connect deeper with our bodies, to come to know ourselves deeper, to come to shed all of the different labels and programmings and all of that, that we have essentially built up over time throughout our lives. And at that point in my life, I had gone through I was stretching myself thin with coaching because I had really dove into personal development, working with multiple mentors, spending a lot of money um, investing, um, I want to say, because they were so worthwhile investments. So when Samson came came into my radar and my sphere, I'm like, oh man, do I need another coaching container? Because I told myself no more, I need to take a pause. But there were clues, there were clues, which so beautifully, actually, this idea of clues has unexpectedly became the theme of this episode, which you'll all um, discover as you tune in to listen. But there were very intentional clues that guided me to ultimately saying yes and committing to the container um, and, and following through and doing it with Samson for 12 weeks. And I mean, I will just say, you know, for lack of a better expression, it absolutely changed my life. Um, I walked away with so much wisdom and knowledge of I mean, ultimately myself coming to know myself deeper in a way that I hadn't yet seen. And I think I, well, I know (laughs) because I had expressed to Samson at the end of the program together when we were closing in, there were a number of reasons I think why this program in particular had stood out for me. And I think one of the top being the unique energy that Samson brings that you all will inherently tune into and discover as you listen to the episode Um, and it was a big reason for me to, to essentially be able to garner and, and walk away with all the takeaways that I did from the program. Samson is someone who, from the very first moment that we connected, I inherently felt safe. Um, there's this level of 
calmness and peace and grounding that you just naturally feel. And I even felt it on this recording of this episode with him where I naturally, as you all listening have probably maybe been able to tell, there's this natural energy and bubbliness that I bring. It's my natural personality. I'm a more expressive person. I'm a Leo. I lead big. <laughs> and so what was interesting was throughout the, the the conversation with Samson, there was just this natural, it wasn't forced because I felt it in my body, just this very natural inc- inclination for me to just settle in, like settle in. Yes. That is the, that is the word that I want to use where I didn't, the expressive Evelina just wanted to kind of like tone down a little bit and really tune into the incredible storytelling, the incredible deep rooted intention and purpose behind all that Samson was saying. And you will all hear (laughs) in this episode, um, that for yourselves, because Samson just brings this natural energy, this natural, really grounded, safe, peaceful energy that you will all undoubtedly feel as soon as the episode starts to play. So that being said, I'm excited to dive into this one. It was such an amazing discussion with so many incredible rabbit holes that neither of us, um, I think we're expecting and anticipating because we regrouped a little bit after the call and we're like, we didn't know where that was going, but we went with it and it was so good. And ultimately walked away with this lovely theme of, um, following the clues that God gives us, which Samson loves to call God wings per this incredible book that he recommended that is already in my shopping cart. Um, that is called when God wings that I will be reading, uh, ASAP, (laughs) suffice to say. Um, Just to give a little bit of an overview around what we talk about, we dive into Samson's amazing journey. Uh, Truly, you know, when we think about this idea of the good and the bad that happens to us in life, right? We like to put a label on something being good and bad, and ultimately it's, it's all perspective. And what was incredible was Samson sharing his journey that I think for many of us could you know, we could identify as being really hard, really tumultuous, but for him being able to find the beauty and the gift in all of that, because ultimately brought him to the work that he's doing today, which is really powerful, impactful work. So we get into a lot of his story. We dive into this idea of purpose in what is one of the, probably the most beautiful explanations of purpose that I have heard um, to date. Uh, Samson explains his perspective on it um, and how his purpose has evolved over the years. And then we end on the work that Samson is doing in the world currently, presently through his role as a coach, as a breathwork facilitator as a guide, ultimately to helping us remember and come back to who we are. All this and so, so much more guys on today's episode. So please, without further ado, tune in to this incredible conversation with Samson Odusanya. So I figure a good place to start today for our conversation is a little bit of an icebreaker question that I was dreaming into. Um, so I follow you on the socials, on Instagram, on your stories, and I love watching everything that you're sharing. And something that I noticed that I appreciate a lot, um, is almost this, um, motto 
if we can call it, uh, that you lead a lot of your stories with. And it's this simple phrase that is, it's a great day to be alive. And it's so simple and powerful, but it always makes me smile. And it always gives me this like moment of pause and an opportunity truthfully for gratitude to just ground into the present moment of like, wow, like, no, this is true. Like, it's an amazing day to be alive, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm happy in, in a rut, whatever feelings are I'm navigating. <laughs> and I guess as I'm speaking this, I'm curious where that came from. Um, but the question I, I, I wanted to ask you to kick things off is what is something that has been making you feel alive this month? Yeah, no, this is a really good question. Hmm. Let, me, let me feel into this. Um, the first thing that comes to heart is, so I had a weekend, um, a retreat here somewhere in Texas, Gauss, Texas, and um, coming out of the retreat itself, uh, one of the biggest realizations that I had was around living my life as an offering. Mm. And, you know, there was a, there was a phrase that came to me or a quote or a saying that came to me where I realized when, when my heart is open, right, then I can offer all of myself. I can live my life as an offering, but when it's closed, I'm caught up in taking what I need to get. And what's really helped me feel alive is... <clears throat> connecting, if you will, with this creative energy that we all have that is always permeating within my being, within my humanity, the creative energy that keeps everything going. Um, it helps me feel alive because it's, it's, it's always seeking to birth something from me, right? Mm. What for me is, is, is feeling, it's not so much about what's next, but it's about what's here and how I can take the many ingredients that I'm present to, to create what it is I'm, I'm here to offer in this moment. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. What's interesting before you started speaking, is you said um, something that is coming to heart instead of something that is coming to mind. Mm -hmm. Why is that? So this is what I've, I've learned over just over time in my experience. And, you know, the mind, I think the mind is a powerful tool and it's a, it's a necessary tool, but it's not the, it's not the home that houses our essence and it's not the home that houses the truth. Um, I say that because, you know, the mind is one that can, you know, oscillate between many different timelines, past, present, future. And it's always in my, in my way to explain it, it's always seeking to figure out or measure or compute. Um, in most cases, it's seeking out to predict what it is that'll keep us safe. As opposed to the heart, the heart doesn't dabble in that, any of that. The heart only deals in truth and reality. 
So, you know, for me, it's been a practice to, you know, keep my heart open, but stay in my heart because regardless of how my mind feels about it, the heart's always true. And when I'm able to feel into the heart, <clears throat> it doesn't waver. There's no questioning in the heart. Whatever is there is whatever is there. Uh, so yeah, that was what was in my heart at, at the time. Right. So, yeah. Mm, I love that. Mm. I love that. And it's, it's a beautiful reminder too, because the mind is so logical and will justify all the things. And I was even sharing in my first introduction, introductory episode with the podcast, um, when I was starting my business, my business venture, logically, it didn't really make sense yeah. because I didn't have the money saved. You know, I had never done a business, ran a business before, but there's just this knowing there was this knowing and there still is to this day, there continues to be, which is the driver for me ultimately that I have to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's always beautiful to hear that. And you offered such a lovely explanation of that, of connecting with the heart and what you spoke to at the beginning of connecting it back to creative energy. Mm. And I, I especially, it re especially resonates for me as a creative, as someone who uses, you know, both visual, but as of late audible <laughs> creative expression through this medium now to tune into that. And, you know, taking it as a reminder for myself to connect deeper to my heart space, mm -hmm. especially in those moments when it may feel a little scary <laughs> or uncertain. So thank you. Thank you, Samson, for sharing all of that. Um, there's this idea or this, this concept that I, and I want to dive into a little deeper with you. Maybe we could kick this off before you dive deeper into your personal journey, especially when it comes to you coaching and doing the work that you do now. Um, I think it's pertinent to, to the way that we initially got connected, which is this idea of following little clues in life to ultimately lead you on your path to where you need to be. So to give listeners a little bit of context, um, Samson and I met in a very, I, do, I don't want to use the word random because I don't believe in randomness, especially not after this occurrence. <laughs> I will say, yeah, very serendipitous and meant to be way of, you know, I heard you on, uh, on a podcast. I got curious. I went on your Instagram, see who you were. I saw that you were hosting a virtual breathwork workshop just two days later. I'm like, let me check this out. This really has my <laughs> interest peaked. And then it, after that workshop, you gave an announcement that, oh, my, my course, my 12 week program is launching in like three days. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm also very <laughs> interested in this, but I was in such a point of my life where I'm like, cause I had invested a lot of money in coaching and support and mentorship. I'm like, oh, do I need another container? Do I need another thing? there was something that felt very different about this one. And so I remember we had gotten on a call. It was, I remember it was Friday and the program was starting on Monday. <laughs> and I was so indecisive. I'm like, Samson, what do I do? <laughs> like, I want to do this. This feels right. And you took me through this very simple, but beautiful visualization with a little bit of breath work and ultimately helped me to connect with the answer that I knew was inside of me, which is I know that I want to do this, but what stuck out for me also was you use this lovely analogy of these breadcrumbs. You call them breadcrumbs, like God will give you little breadcrumbs in life, little clues we could call them. 
that are meant to guide you to where you need to be. And so I saw all of those little moments, like it wasn't a coincidence that I just so happened to randomly, air quotes, hear you on this podcast and then randomly come across your breathwork workshop. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm meant to do this. And I'm so very glad that I did (laughs) because it changed my life. But the question that I want to ask you related to this idea of following clues in life um, is if you have had any of those breadcrumb moments in your life, um, especially maybe when it came to you feeling a lot of fear or uncertainty and have they taken you and led you to anything big? Um, yeah. If there's any one moment that comes to mind or a series of those events that you've, you've navigated. I mean, I don't, I don't get to this point in my life without these breadcrumbs. I like to call them Godwinks, and there's a book um, named Godwinks, which is a phenomenal mm. Jotting that one down. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called When God Winks. And I love, that, I love that you use the word serendipitous because how I like to see and view the world, especially from my lens and perspective, is that I'm in co-creation with what I like to call God, you know, for other people, it's something else. This creative force that keeps this whole entire thing going. And in co-creation, I know that I can only control so much. Um, We were talking about the mind earlier. There are only, you know, there's only a limited amount of information that I can process consciously. So there's a lot more that I can't see that I'm not aware of, either because I don't have the capacity to do so or because at that point in my life, I'm not ready yet. So I share that because in this co-creative act, I know personally that I'm here with some sort of purpose, not to find it, not to look for it. I came here with it. And my role and my job is to be open to be put in conditions and environments that would help water nourish and feed this seed that I came here with. Mm. And ultimately how I've seen it is that I'm the seed. We are all the seed. We have the seed and these little God wakes, these little breadcrumbs are tiny moments. As I like to call them taps on the shoulder. I'm not sure if you ever watch interstellar, Mm-mm. right with Matthew McConaughey there's this scene and without going into too much detail into the movie right there's this scene where he's able to you know view many different realities and many different timelines at the same time and he's in this called if you will this dimension where he's able to see the present moment of where he was at so this is where his family is And he's in some future or just let's call it a different dimension. And he, there's this library. He's looking at his daughter, I believe. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. And there's this library. And from this different dimension, he knocks down the book from this different dimension that affects that other reality. So his daughter can kind of like, it's almost like a sign for her to pay attention. Mm And these little Godwinks, as I like to call them, are just signs for me to pay attention, to invest attention, for to 
to be course corrected, to be aware, to plant a seed, to plant a different perspective. It's like a detour, if you will, right? But something that's meant to get my intention to see something a lot differently than I would have seen it. The, the only first moment that comes to mind, there's a lot of them, but consciously right now, the first moment that comes to mind, and I guess this will start to go into my story. Um, so for about 12 years, I couldn't fly. I couldn't travel, right? Um, I was a junior in high school. And we were going through a lot of tough struggles at home, like financially and just personally. And in high school, right, at, at that point, without having to put too much more weight on the family, I had to figure things out, right? So as a young entrepreneur, I found ways to earn money. And one of those ways was by selling candy. And I remember my mom would always come drop off candy when I would run out. And it was just one of these days that just felt off. This day was also the highest I've ever, like I ever sold. So my mom came to drop off my supply and then school ends, um, I get back home and I realize there's a massive energy shift. My stepfather's sitting on the bed and my little brother who's I think a year and a half or two, two at the time, yeah, almost two at the time, was there. My younger sisters were at school, but my mom was nowhere to be found. And what's interesting is like, yeah, my mom really wouldn't go anywhere except one or two places that I know she would have went, but yeah, it just, it felt weird. So I see my stepfather sitting on the bed and the first question I asked him, I said, where's mom, where is she? He said, they came and got her. I was like, who? He said, immigration. So my mom got picked up, uh, I think it was September or November, yeah, of 2004, and she gets deported in January of 2005. Mm. So this was a massive blow to the family. My mom was like the glue that held the family together she was such a big energy. And that moment was ultimately, call it what you will, it was like a curse, but it was also a gift. As massive of an energy that my mom was, the fact that she wasn't there gave me the opportunity to ask different questions that I normally would not have asked. It gave me the space to be curious in different lanes that I normally would not have been curious about. You know, one of those questions it was, who am I? Why am I here? This is at 18 now. I'm a senior in high school. And the first seed or wink that was planted was this book that I found. And this, it was like, it was like the search, my mom not being there gave me the freedom to search and explore or wanting to explore the nature of who I was. And this book called The Kabbalion by, by Thoth, it's about the seven hermetic principles or the universal laws. I found this copy 
and I, I bought it on eBay. I still have it to this day. It's been over 15 years old. Whereas, oh, it's actually right here. <laughs> it's so funny. It's right here. I love it. Um, yeah, it's like that 1934 edition. Um, and I started reading it. And from my perspective at that time, like I barely understood it. But what I saw was that, what I noticed was that there were things that were completely different than what I was taught. Being born and raised in the church, Baptist, Pentecostal um, perspective, this was a lot different. And there was something in me that was eager. There was a hunger to know more. So this book was a seed that was planted that began opening up, if you will, um, I would say the path that started what you see today, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, there's so much within that, but that was that was was a was a seed that was planted, and a seed that was planted, and what felt like a very 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 chaotic and stressful time. Um, so yeah. Wow, you mentioned you mentioned your mom leaving being a blessing and a, a curse and a blessing at the same time. I'm curious when you started to embrace the idea that it was a blessing, mm. because I imagine that at the beginning, it was mo it most definitely felt like a curse. Yeah. So what was interesting was about six months. Yeah. Close to six months after she was deported. I, I was already filling out college applications because that was the time that, you know, I was prepping to go to college, you know, growing up in a Nigerian household, uh, they, they made sure it, it was a priority. It was a standard to make sure that you did well in school. So I busted my butt most of my, uh, school career to, you know, graduate top of my class. I ended up graduating top 3% national honor roll. I did everything that I was supposed to do. But when I was applying to colleges, it came time to, <clears throat> you know, financial aid because we definitely couldn't afford. And, you know, I would have gotten assistance just based on how well I did at school. And they were asking for a social security number. So at this time, my mom was in Nigeria, my stepfather was there and I asked him, I was like, hey, so what's this number that they're asking for? And <clears throat> I immediately felt the disappointment from them because it was like, oh shit. And yeah, I realized too that I was undocumented as well. So there's chaos <clears throat> amongst chaos. There is literally my whole entire life up to that point where I thought it was going one way. And then I was disappointed because I busted my butt to make my mother proud and everybody proud. And I think I would have been the first one in my family to go to college and all this stuff completely got obliterated. But inside of that also created this very intense and looming fear because up until that point, my self-image was not positive, for lack of a better word. Very low confidence, low self-belief, a lot of self-loathing just because of how I was raised before that. 
and then now I'm now I'm I'm deemed this illegal alien. I'm like, oh, I'm really not supposed to be here. Mm. So I felt like all that I had up until that point, right, was this hunger, this eagerness to guide me. And then when I was reading this book, obviously this wasn't the only book that I, that I read. This book led me to other things and I began researching and I began studying and then it led me to um, you know, the, the Egyptian perspective, the Egyptian way, which is, you know, you know, like it's, it's, it's what I'm, I have so much love for. And this is where I found, you know, a guiding principle that still guides my life today, which is an African proverb from Egypt that says, man, know thyself so that you may know God. And that for me, like, I felt like that was a blessing for me because the more I dove deep to learn and study. The more I learned about myself and the more I learned about myself, I felt like the more the door was opening, mm -hmm. right? And the more the door was opening, the more I was being guide, guided and, and led. Now, I will say a lot of it was still very unconscious because the reality was my mom was in the picture any, like anymore, things became very tough. <clears throat> I think we got evicted like twice, right? Um, I wasn't documented, but I, I had to figure it out. My dad, my stepfather is now working six to seven days a week, right? We have three younger kids that have to be taken care of. I have to grow up fast. So I have to figure it out. I have to go find jobs. I end up working jobs, but all of this, right? On top of this deep, seated curiosity to know myself was what was it kept guiding me mm -hmm. um i will say after i did graduate high school playing for the football team being physically active being part of a you know a team environment that was another thing that i felt stuck with me after i graduated i always also tell people working with my body physically i i felt was another thing that grounded this spiritual wisdom that I was so interested in, right? It, it was the lowest hanging fruit for me. So I stayed very active after. But when I started working at the hospital, and for those who are curious, I don't even know how I got a job at the hospital myself. Mm -hmm. I take my resume. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember this supervisor sitting across from me. His name was Drew Cahill, looking at the resume, looked at me, looked at the resume, looked at me. And he was like, I mean, I know some of these places that you put on here and they were closed down. So this was a trick that I did. Like I put down closed down reputable places. So obviously um, uh, they knew they existed, but he looked at the resume. He's like, there's not really much here to validate your experience, but this is another God wink. Ready for this? Mm -hmm. He looked at me. He said, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. And because of that, I'm going to hire you. Wow. That was another God wink. Wow. In the midst of, again, what felt like chaos when I had no other option, right? I tried because I had just got fired from a job and I was just, I was throwing, it was like throwing spaghetti in the wall. I was just throwing resumes everywhere. And I remember getting a call back from the hospital for an interview. I was like, wait, what? And then to having the interview and him saying that, 
that was another godling to know that, oh, there's something else guiding me here. Mm. And then working in the hospital, um, which is a whole different role in itself. There's so much that happens in the hospital environments that I feel people have no idea happens. Um, starting to work there planted another seed for me. I was already working on myself physically, fitness pretty much. I'll go to the gym about six days a week because at that point in my life, coupled with the where my psychology was at, coupled with where my self-image was at, coupled with how I felt about myself, it was like an escape for me. It was like an escape. But something about working in the hospital environment helped me realize, <clears throat> and I remember saying this to myself, I was 18 years old. I think it was like the closer to the end of the year. And I already been working there maybe four or five months. And seeing what was going down, I realized, I said, I don't want to be the son. I don't want to be the father. I don't want to be the uncle. I don't want to be the brother. I don't want to be the eventual husband or friend that's spending the last half of his life recouping from the mistakes he made from the first half of his life. Mm -hmm. So that was another seed planted for me to begin now bringing more intention around the awareness of what I was actually doing with my body. So this, I had the physical component down. Now I really gleaned over into what I was putting in my mouth, what I was consuming. Cause I realized it's like, it's like simple math. I'm like, Oh, if you make those choices, that is what's going to happen. Yeah. So I decided to make opposite choices and Knowing me, like I completely jumped full head in, into the extreme. Uh, I think at that point, this was like over 10 years ago, I was like a complete, like, you would think that I was an herbalist at the time. I would make fingers, <laughs> teas. I, I was completely plant-based for like two and a half years. I think I did raw, like uh, raw uh, veganism for like six months. I was really, really extreme. And that even expanded, you know, what I was consuming, you know, um, intellectually. And I, and I start to see some deeper things. And when I realized I was in this bubble, right, I was in this bubble to what seemed like was separating me from my friends and what I was used to doing. I remember the first Instagram that I had, uh, not this one, I deleted it. I literally found myself pulling away from what society was at the time. I felt good, but still felt like something was missing. So um, I remember placed a model. And this is one of the four things I, I had to do to figure it out. Mm. I worked as an ER tech. I DJed and bartended on the weekends. So bartending... Um, I started because I got a job at Dave and Buster's as a food runner <laughs> and then I worked my butt off. And by the way, like how I got in there was a school ID by the way. And the, the only identification I had was a school ID. Wow. So I had to figure it out. I got really creative. So I got a job as a food runner <clears throat> and then saw <clears throat> that bartenders made a lot more money. So I started to kind of like, like 
make my way towards that direction. And I went to go get a bartending certification. And I started working at a club, after hours club, uh, DJ, um, my love for music. Mm. Played instruments as a kid, played instruments all through high school. So I was self-taught DJ. So I had like a little business with my best friend at the time, DJ. And I modeled. It was like, oh, you know, most of my life I heard, oh, you should be a model. You should be a model. I was like, I need money and I need whatever. So I'll, I'll do it. And at that time, I needed to update my portfolio. Here comes another God wink, by the way. As I'm sharing this, I'm realizing here they, here they are. So I go on Facebook and search for a legit photographer. I find one by the name of Maya Goez. She was in New York. And her pictures were phenomenal. So I reach out to her and uh, I get, you know, uh, an estimate. And at that time, it was just out of my price range. But because I liked her picture so much, I kept going back to her page and seeing how great her work was. And I came across this guy. And he was in shape. He looked great. And being I'm going to the gym, I'm working my butt off. <clears throat> I'm wondering, like, why the heck I don't look like him? <laughs> mm. And in my head, because of my own inability to follow through and actually commit to doing the, the actual work and um, not wanting uh, instant gratification, I would always at that time kind of use the excuse that people were cheating to be able to look the way they did. But this guy, something about him. Something about him. I was like, yeah, there's no way this guy's like cheating or using any type of growth hormone. He just, he looked fit. So I go on his page and I see yeah, he's killing it. And he's not a motivational speaker, but this dude was inspiring. He'd get up at like three in the morning, run to the gym. And I'm like, yo, this dude is inspiring. And I studied him more on Facebook and I saw that he was a part of this community. Um, this part of this part of this network marketing company eventually that looked a lot differently than what I was used to. Now here's the here's the here's the trippy part. My mom and dad separated when I was four. The next time I saw my dad was summer of fifth grade when I graduated. So this was six years later when I saw my dad again. He actually flew to Philadelphia when I graduated fifth grade. And him and my mom made an agreement that I could come spend the summer with him in California where he lived. So when I go to California with him for the summer, he was a rep for the same network marketing company. Wow. No so way. I remember 10 years old seeing him do that. So he had to dress up in a suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was back then. That's how you had to do it. So when I saw this guy on Facebook, I was like, wait, that's the same company, but it doesn't look the same. Wow. So for me, that was, that was like safety to stay tuned in. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was just this guy that looked like me, whose story was inspiring. He grew up in foster care, was beat in foster care, like slept on his futon, like he, he went through it. And like, dude, like he's crushing it. And one thing that I saw was that they had a thriving community. They would do workouts at the beach, three, 400 people, and here I am working at the hospital, going to the club, DJing, partying. I wasn't a big of a party, but I'm saying like, that's what the environment I was in, the culture I was in, while still studying, right? While still studying. And I felt like 
that curiosity and that spiritual hunger that was within me is what guided me to that. For me, like if I didn't model, right, I would not have been looking for a photographer that would have had me find style. That's his name. Mm-hmm. That would have had me see he was part of the same company that I saw when I first saw my dad again. If I didn't see that my dad was a part of that company, then I probably would have just wrote style off right. as just somebody who just whatever. But the fact that I needed that seed, what was it, 13 years prior for me to now go through 13 years of life and model and help me realize one of the reasons that I did model was so I can be in the position to see what I did. See. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <clears throat> and... I watched for two and a half years, right? Here's what's interesting about it. By the way, here's another God wink. <laughs> Let's keep going. Right. <laughs> so I watched <clears throat> and I remember reaching out to him because I was so interested in being a part what he was a part of. I mean, those who grew up on the East Coast, I mean, here's my experience of the East Coast. It's, it's dull. I mean, it's intense. There's a lot of energy and activity there, but it's not enough sun. It's dull. People don't say hi to you. <laughs> it's just what it is. You don't look through the eye, right? And these people, they were in California. It looked, it looked like they were happy. It looked like it, at least from Facebook. And there was a part of me that just wanted to be a part of that. I needed a change of pace. I needed a change of rhythm. I needed a change of environment. Again, back to what I said about the seed need, the environment, and the conditions to help it sprout. So I reached out to him like three times. And I was so apprehensive and I second guessed myself and I doubted. And he would be like, hey, yeah, you can join. And he would be like, hey, and I doubt it. But while I was connecting with him, you know how Facebook recommends friends? Yeah. It recommended me this woman, Nicole, who I saw him with when I was seeing Facebook. So I friend requested her. She immediately, uh, DMs me and she was like, Hey, welcome to my world. You're free to join me whenever you feel like it. And she's like, Welcome to my world where I document my journey. You're welcome or free to join. It was somewhere along those lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just watched and I watched and I was like, Okay, these people are who they say they were. And it was consistent. And I finally reached out to Nicole, who was this woman. Fast forward. I'm just going to fast forward, but come back. Mm-hmm. Nicole is now my wife. Oh, no. <laughs> Who I have wow. a daughter with. Wow. Right? So, and at the time she wasn't, and we weren't even together because we were both in relationships at the time, but she got me started. I joined the community. The community, like I was connected to the community through Facebook. Yeah, at the time when I joined, it was like it was a 2,000 group Facebook group that eventually grew to like 20,000 in, in, in like three years. And I remember starting and yeah, I started on the products. I got amazing results. I felt great. It was like a light in the midst of the chaos, right? And I remember 
I'm still working the jobs, but now there is this light, if you will. I'm working 16 hours at the hospital, and all I could think about was like, yo, what's going on on the Facebook page? Like, because it was, it was, it was uplifting. It was expansive. And it got to a point where, you know, she asked me, she was like, is this something that you want to do? And I was like, yeah, like people were asking, like, how can they get results? How can they get healthier? She was like, well, you're, uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to really do this, your business, if you will, is dependent upon you going to this event. At the time, it was in 2013. It was in Vegas. And I remember saying, shit, I can't fly. I don't have an ID. And I remember fighting for myself like I've never fought before. Because I had to make something happen. Here was the thing. I had already committed. I bought my flights and I bought my event ticket and I bought my um, uh, hotel room without even having an ID to fly because something in me knew I needed to be there. Amongst the chaos and the craziness, which I'll save, I got my passport and this, that story is crazy. I got my passport a day before the flight. Wow. And I get on the plane and I remember sitting on the plane and I'm like, this is not happening. Like, this is, it was like, like, this is crazy. And why I specifically share the story about the passport is if, back to this Godwings, if, and I'm not saying it had to happen this way, but I choose to see it this way. I choose to see that I'm guided in a specific direction outside of infinite amount of different timelines, right? That my life, ended up the way it did specifically so I could I could cross these check marks. If my mom and dad didn't separate, then my dad would not have had to not see me for six years, which would not have brought him excitedly to Philadelphia to where I'm graduating all honors in fifth grade, seeing my dad in the back of the auditorium room. And then we leave graduation and my mom tells me, you're going to go spend the summer with your dad. And then I'm in the I'm in I'm in California in the summer with my dad, and he's in this network marketing business. And then I leave, I don't see him for a while, and then a myriad of events and struggle and challenges take place. And then 13 years later, I'm a model because it's one of the only jobs that don't require like legal documents, at least from what I thought, right? And then I need to upgrade my portfolio. And then I go on Facebook and search and I see this guy that's a part of the same company that my dad was a part of when I was 10. Like, it's like, and then I join the community. That community is, is where I met my wife who introduced me to the community. That community is also the same community that expanded my relationship with personal development. This is where I began going to seminars and getting, like, there's so many seeds or God winks or breadcrumbs that I that were presented to me. Now, here's the thing. I always say the same. We're always called. Everybody's called. But only if you listen. Mm. I could have not listened to those breadcrumbs. I could have not. Those breadcrumbs may not have 
presented themselves in the way they present themselves to me to listen if my mom was still in the picture because of the energy that she had. So even in the midst of the chaos, there's so much blessing that occurred and took place in order for me to get where I am today. Yeah. And I was literally just going to say that. I think hearing your story and hearing all the different parts and pieces of the contrast of the really bad, you know, air quotes and the really beautiful, but seeing it in that light, not like in, in the way that you explained it too, it's like giving reason to why things happened gives it just this, um, I mean, beauty is the word that's just coming to me. <laughs> and it's a reason for every, everything happening and unfolding because ultimately it brought you to where you are today, which is such an incredible place to be. Mm. And you also alluded to something that I was really curious about as you were asking, which is, I forget exactly how you said it, but you know that everyone ultimately is given those choices, those breadcrumbs, but not everyone listens. And I wonder like, what is it about the people that listen versus the people that don't? <laughs> I guess, is there like, is there a common theme there? Is it, because um, you mentioned, and you and I love this word so much, and I relate to it deeply. It's this sense of curiosity. You were very curious from the very beginning, but it also sounds like the situation, like the context that you were in almost kind of forced you to stay curious. And so I wonder if it's context dependent is it maybe just an internal thing for individuals that varies them to, you know, for one person to say yes to the breadcrumb and another person to say no? Do you yeah. have any any kind of thoughts on that? Um, this is such a phenomenal question. And the first thing I would say is I don't know. Mm. Uh, from my perspective and observation and just putting a lot of things together, one, it's very nuanced. Mm. And I think context matters. But what I think matters more I think it, 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 it's a convergence of the person timing and readiness along with the timing of when that God wing needs to be expressed. Mm. So for instance, how many times has an idea come to you, you didn't take action on it, and then some time passes and then you see that same idea being expressed by somebody else. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> now I'm like getting flashbacks. <laughs> right? And in our ignorance or innocence, as I like to call it, we think that that person stole our idea. But it's happened many times where this person doesn't even know me. So there's no way they could have stolen my idea unless we are all connected to this field of ideas, this unlimited, omnipresent, ever-evolving, expanding field of creative energy that's calling everybody. But based on where you are at in your life and based on the timing, when I say timing, this isn't so much our own conscious concept of time. I'm talking about divine timing. Yeah. Based on where we're at, our own readiness and timing, along with when the idea is needed, that's when I feel the, the, the convergence of all those elements is why someone would step forward. I also feel 
part of it is the person's conditioning and programming, right? But if we take a step back, I like to believe, that's why I used co-creation, is that as much as we think that we're in control, we're not in control of really anything. Yeah. I think this force is playing us. Like an instrument, it's playing us playing the instrument. And when we talk about this idea that you may think someone stole, it's not that they stole it, it's just that the idea was needed to be expressed. And the idea is gonna to go to everybody, mm. but it's gonna be up to the person who's ready to express it, that's gonna express it. Now it's not to say that, oh, you know, there's something right or wrong with you if you didn't express the idea. No, it's just that at this time, when the idea was needed, we weren't ready. Which makes us realize it's not about us. It's about the idea. It's about the expression of this thing that the world needs. So for me, all these little God wings, and there are many that I didn't pay attention to as well. I'm just talking about the few that I, that I listened to, but all these God wings supported me in molding and shaping and growing and expanding and uh, dying and being reborn to get to a place in my life right now where the idea that was planted, at least in some different version, grew into this idea that needs to be expressed in this way, not because it was about me. No, it was because, oh, and I get chills thinking about it. Based on the evolution of time, when I was born, when you were born, I needed to be prepped and shaped and molded in a way that would have me ready with a certain amount of skills and gifts for what the world needs for this very moment. Wow, yes. You know what I mean? So yeah. when, you, when you think about these God winks, when we step out of the way, it's for a bigger picture. And it's back to what I shared in the beginning when you were asking, like, like what makes me feel alive is this offering. Like, what am I like? What am I offering right now that the world actually needs because of where we are as a planet, socially, individually, collectively? Like, where we are is very, very. We're in very interesting, sensitive, and intense times, but very much needed. But if I didn't listen, it's not to say that I wouldn't have been ready or it wouldn't have went the same way. I just feel like everything that I've experienced would have just went to somebody else who was yeah. ready. Mm -hmm. you know? And you would have gotten different or other God winks that would have led you potentially on a different and other path. But, and I'm curious on this too, if and this kind of connects to this overarching idea of purpose mm. in the notion that we're all born with a unique purpose. It's expressed in different ways. And I wonder if you had listened to different Godwings or whatever that is, it's still, if it would have still ultimately led you to the purpose and the work that you're doing in the world today. And this is also implying like there's a static quality to purpose which i don't believe because it's always changing and evolving too <laughs> so i don't even know if that's the right question to ask <laughs> because it is always changing but i guess 
what are your thoughts on that too? Because, you know, again, I'm going back to this idea of like everything happening for a reason, even if you had listened to different Godwings, it still would have been in support of your higher purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that you brought that up because my understanding of what purpose is, is evolved in a big way over time. Uh, At one point I was caught up in thinking that purpose is something that we do. Mm. And purpose has nothing to do with action. Purpose is who we are. Yeah. It's our essence. If we look at what purpose is, purpose is our reason for being. So when we're looking at it from that lens, it's like, what is my reason for being? Not what I'm here to do. What is my reason for being? How that is expressed can happen in a myriad of ways. For me, I know at least my purpose from a very macro perspective is to empower, is to question, is to deepen, right? How I do that, (laughs) there could be a million different ways that I do that. So if I'm caught up in it needs to be this way, I need to do this, then I'm losing touch with the reason that I be. Right? I'm losing touch with, with, with the, the bigger intention of the energy and the essence that's actually fueling the action. Yeah. Right? You talked about like logic and why I connect with the heart and why I always revert back to the heart. Action is a masculine quality. When I say masculine, it's not limited to men or women. This is yeah. the energy, the function and principle of of action is is masculine but it, it's not so much predicated on what we do it's not just the action it's what's informing the action mm. and if we look at purpose right it's a combination of both sides of who we are the masculine and the feminine it's not what we do it's the place that we do it from so for me it's like It's the essence that's informing the action. It's my heart that's informing the mind. It's my soul that's informing my ego. Right? So if I always come from that place, the place that's not external, but it's more internal in nature, the place that's within and not without, then I'll always be in purpose. Because my reason for being is only expressed externally when I'm sure and connected to what that is, what that is within myself internally. Mm, I love that. That's so good. And you you touched on something that it was like a little light bulb went off for me (laughs) as you were speaking. And I wrote the words down. You, You listed empower to deepen to question as you were talking about your purpose. And... When I think about myself and the work that I do, I've always kind of narrowed it down to this idea of inspiring, like mm-hmm. inspiring people. And actually one way that that came to be, that kind of realization of that word was just listening to what people have said to me. Mm-hmm. Evelina, your stuff is so inspiring, whatever it is, whether it's sharing a recipe or blogging or creating art. And so I started to pay attention because I would see, hear that word over and over and over again. And it's interesting 
we were talking earlier about this whole idea of creativity and creative expression. I've always known art, whether it's handmade or digital, you know, I'm a graphic designer. That's how I express myself. But it's interesting now that I've ventured into this realm of podcasting, it's, this is a new art, this is a new venture, but the underlying root and the commonality is I'm still driven by that idea of inspiring, inspiring people. I'm not making a matcha latte or designing a beautiful drawing, but this is, I'm sharing conversations. And I do feel like this is such an, a deepening of that purpose for me. And it, I don't, I'm like piecing these pieces together in real time <laughs> for me, as you expressed those words, because it was such a succinct summary to embody all the multifaceted parts and pieces of you yes. in all that you do, but it's all interconnected in these words. So I guess this is almost like an invitation too for anyone listening that if you could maybe, and I think this makes it easier too, because there's a lot of people that are always questioning, like, what is my purpose? And they think, like you mentioned, it's something that they have to do. I have to get this job. But it's like, no, what is the action? What is the word? Are you helping? Are you supporting? Are you inspiring? Are you empowering? And I think that distills it and makes it so much simpler, but also um, richer. Because I think there's a problem too when you niche down too much, you know, and you associate with this idea, then you feel like you're stuck. Whereas if you're just rooted in empowerment, empowerment could look like so many different so things. Many different things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this idea of healing, it's also something that I'm here to do. And I've resisted it for a while just because I just, I know that I'm not healing anybody. It's just reminding people that they can do it themselves. Right. There's what you said. It's not so much of the action. Just because we live in a ever evolving universe whose very function is rooted in perpetual renewal. I mean, look at nature. It's always renewing itself from seed to gestation to uh, digging its roots deep to breaking through the ground to growing to seedling to yeah, it's always right to dying to being reborn again death and rebirth are a part of life this 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 speaks to the law of rhythm right there's always a high there's always a low there's always this perpetual renewal change is the only constant so if we're stuck and attached to an action or this is what we're meant to do again this is where we welcome a lot of suffering and challenges because we're going against the very nature of nature itself. But when we can root at least our connection to purpose in relationship to an energetic, right? It's like, what energy am I coming from? Let's say, let's say right now, yeah, your action is to create art through graphic design. Can I inspire people through that at this moment until I'm called to die and be reborn again in a different way? If you die and you're reborn, guess you inspiring people doesn't really change. It's just you just bring that energetic into something else. Mm -hmm. It looks different. Yeah. Which speaks to what energy is. It cannot be created nor destroyed. It's only transferred or transformed into a different form. Mm. So, yeah, like purpose is not one thing. 
It's not an action. I feel it's an essence. It's an energetic that is always feeding and informing the action itself. That's great. I love that so, so much. And on the, on this topic of evolution and purpose and all that, where has, where has your purpose brought you to this day? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the, the word healing. Um, can you speak a bit, a little bit about the exact yeah. way that you are living out your purpose through yeah. the work that you're doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Simple, but so loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I think at this point in my life, one of the things that light me up is adventure. And I thrive on adventure. If that's being my own internal adventure, actually adventuring somewhere and experiencing something new, traveling. Like adventure is my thing, but now adventure coupled with serving. And serving in, you know, as you know, the work that I do with breath, emotional release, trauma, trauma nervous system regulation, um, coaching, the many different ways that I, that I do so. Um, what I feel I'm being called to in this moment is simply put is to help people remember Mm. what does that mean i'm not talking about remember in the form of calling back memories no it's remembering what has been dismembered i feel and this i mean this is proving true even in our work together Somewhere along the lines, we, we, we were this pure essence of a human, as a child. We were curious. We were excited. We were present. And then in whatever way, shape or form in our experience, whether being traumatic or very challenging, we began to compartmentalize ourselves and fragment ourselves and trap and freeze parts of who we are in a specific location in time, mostly the past, if you will. And we began operating from this fragmented, dismembered state where we were once whole and now we're living from fragmentation. And living from this place, which creates a lot of stress, a lot of pain and suffering, it's it's not fulfilling, it's not exciting, it's not, yeah, we're just, all of us is not there. So my work, I feel because I had to do that myself in my own life is to support people in remembering, bringing back together who they are, calling all parts of themselves that have been stuck in the past or a specific location that's not present back to the present so they can feel alive in who they truly are. Mm. And why that is so important is because When we're living from this place that's been fragmented, 
which is also in a sense living from survival, living from this place that is always on defense because we fear a perceived threat or we fear that we're going to die because when we look at it biologically and physiologically from the perspective of the nervous system or looking at it from the perspective of the ego, it thinks we're going to die by not facing a lot of these things that we've stuffed or repressed, right? When we live from that place, we're living from survival. And when we live from survival, we're serving the part of ourselves that all it cares about is safety. Mm. So we can't take the creative risks to expand. We can't lean into the edges that help grow us. We can't crack our hearts wide open because we're afraid we're going to be hurt again. And that in itself is like living in hell. Yeah. It's like living in hell. So calling people back to who they really are, back to the heart, which has been known across many different cultures, Chinese, Islam, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, ancient Egyptian, through and through, the parallel that they knew about the heart was that the heart was the seat of the soul. The heart is where the soul lives. The heart is our, is the universal communication system that bridges the unseen world to the seen world, that bridges the non-physical to the physical, that tethers the soul to our humanness. Coming back to that is what reconnects us with why we're here and who we're here to be. So that's been my work, is to help people remember who they truly are so they can choose to disempower and unsubscribe from the beliefs and the illusions of who they think we are, who they think they are that were built from very, very challenging times that force them to have to live from those places so they don't hurt themselves or cause harm again. Yeah, that's such a beautiful summary. And as you were speaking, I was thinking specifically about one of the ways that you do that work, which is through breath work. And in our work together <clears throat> through your In the Flash container, um, what was always so astounding to me <laughs> was, especially on those breathwork calls, <laughs> is going into those sessions and, you know, what with whatever state I was in, and I imagine, I don't want to speak for anyone else in the group, but I'm sure, you know, we would get on the calls and would be in a certain type of energy, you know, whether we're excited that day, carrying, you know, any angers or frustrations, and at least for me, I would look forward to the breath work in giving me an answer or a clue or some sort of clarity given what I was navigating. And just maybe to use an example, because this one was especially very clear that I remember there was a particular um, day that I had in, in that week, I was navigating a lot of like heavy emotion and, and all of that. And I was looking forward to going into breath work to further help me heal. Like, let, give me some sort of an answer that will then help me kind of dive deeper. 
and it will always blow me away. And you even prefaced <laughs> all of the breathwork sessions is don't go in with any expectations. And so I'm telling myself, Evelina, let go, you know, but all the while, I think there was just that piece of me that's like, well, and it, maybe this is inherent. I don't know, but especially given whatever I was carrying in the day or the week that I almost like maybe very quietly set the intention of like, maybe I, I want this to come out of it. And it never was that. Mm. It, it always blew me away that breath work, and maybe we can even like for people listening who may not know what breath work is and specifically the way that you yeah. you facilitate breath work because it's different from what I had experienced in the past, something more shamanic and intense. This was very gentle and simple, which I think especially always blew me away. It's like, how did I get this answer from <laughs> like breathing for 30 minutes? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm curious. And I guess the underarching question beneath is that how does the breath specifically <laughs> work in that way? Because how is it that through just focusing on our breath for 30 minutes and continuously repeating a, a you know, a, a pattern of breathing, that we're able to identify this. And, and again, it's hard to put into words because yeah. people listening there, they're like, what do you mean identify something? <laughs> like, yeah. for example, for me in that particular session, I went in with the expectation of like, let me, let me try to understand how I can, for example, you know, heal deeper. But what I felt after the session was a feeling of peace. Like in my body, I just felt release, which then clued my, my logical brain into deciphering and understanding actually Evelina there isn't much more healing for you to do. You're okay. Like stop trying to always search for the answers and heal yourself deeper. Like you're doing enough. So it's a long winded explanation, but the question there is how specifically is the breath working in that way? And how do you okay. use it to help people kind of find that truth? Yeah. And I'll spare, I mean, cause we can talk for. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll spare a lot of the details and maybe we can do another one later. For sure. Later on breath. But what I've found uh, is that when we look at what the breath is, it is a hmm. is the first time I'm actually going to use this. So it is a tool that sobers us. Mm. What do I mean by that? So if we look from the lens of our human nature and what formulates what that is, we all hold an identity that helps us understand ourselves in relationship to the world. This identity um, for sure was formed in our childhood until we become conscious enough to at least grab some part of the steering wheel to consciously create another one by our own choice. Prior to that, it's all unconscious, it's all automatic, it's all programmed and conditioned to us from our environment. Before our awareness and ability to, you know, uh, affect, affect that. But this identity <clears throat> is, is essentially the response, it's, it's what the ego creates. And if we look at what our ego is, it's not good, it's not bad. Some people think the ego is an enemy and they want to kill their egos and 
it's funny because you try to kill the ego, you realize that's the ego telling you need to kill the ego, and then you realize your ego is still there because you can't. <laughs> <laughs> A vicious cycle. <laughs> like you're not going to be human without one. Mm-hmm. But if we look at the lens of an unhealthy neurotic ego that's not grounded in reality, it's always looking to escape reality. Always. It's always seeking to avoid the present moment. In doing so, it creates mechanisms and tactics to distract itself from the truth of what's needed to be done in the moment. And in doing so, we create a bigger gap, bigger distance between us and ourselves because we fear facing what is at the heart of the center, heart of the moment. What's the truth? I mean, I think about all the moments I've done it and the moments sometimes I still do it because it's a reality. It's something that we do. And one is because if we look at the lens of the human, it's made for safety and survival. So I'm always looking to seek out ways that would help me avoid pain, at least from my understanding and perspective of pain. Now with the breath, why I said it's a tool that can help us sober is because sobering, when you get sober, if you will, sobering brings you back down from the high, brings you back down from the avoidance, brings you back in touch with the reality. Breathing, the breath helps you get present. Hmm. And why it's such a powerful tool is because on one end, it gets us out of the head, which is part of what creates these mechanisms that help us distract and avoid and numb and step out of reality and avoid reality. And then the breath helps bring us back in touch with reality through the body. And it, I don't want to say belief because belief to believe is to not know. I know that each and every single one of us has the answer that we're seeking. We may just be afraid to go through the door to get to the other side of where it is. Mm. And something with the breath is that it strips you of all expectations. It strips you of all ideas. It strips you of all predictability because that's future casting. And it helps you become present. When we are present, that's when we can get in touch with the truth. And when we are in touch with the truth, that's when you can hear because breathing, right? And we specifically work with the breath in the way that we, we have. It quiets everything else. It literally quiets everything else. And now you're left with nothing but what is there. And then what's there, you get to you get to do with it what you will. But the power of the breath is it gets us back into the body to now harmonize 
the mind that was kind of off on its own, protecting us, making sure we survive, dabbling in operating survival, stressing out, and brings us back in a way to where we are now not running away or avoiding or in fear, but we can come back to a place within ourselves that I like to call is home. And if we don't come directly back home, we can at least get closer to it than we were, right? So yeah, that's the, that's the power of the breath. What, yeah, why I love it is because it's a tool that sobers us to get us back in touch with the reality that we've been avoiding. Mm. And usually when we avoid reality, we avoid the truth or the answer that we've been seeking, but we don't want to hear because we want a different one. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. There's definitely, and to everything you said about the truth and the presence for sure. And that beautifully summarizes it because for me, in my experience, at least there was always something that was just, um, I mean, unwavering, like truthful, <laughs> like raw, pure truth that came out of the breathwork sessions that, and again, the controller in me was always like, what the hell? Like trying to justify it, but it was never something that I could have planned for. It just, it just emerged. And again, I think it's it's very telling in the way that you explained it. It's the the logical mind trying to rationalize and justify, but tapping back into the into the body, into the heart, ultimately to bring it back full circle, is where those answers lie. Yeah. Um, so so good, Samson. Yeah. I definitely feel like we need to do a part two because there's so much more that I want to dive into with yeah, you. There's so but there's so much. There's so good, and you're such a treasure trove of just wisdom. And I think. I'm realizing now, I mean, you've shared so many of your stories when, you know, when we were working together, but um, diving even deeper and hearing just the breadth of experiences that you live through. I mean, yes, the God wings have led you to the work that you're doing, but they've also led you to having so many beautiful, rich stories worth sharing and ultimately too inspiring. Cause I don't know if you could count inspiring as part of your purpose, but absolutely, I'm here to say absolutely. you've definitely inspired me <laughs> with all of your stories. So thank you. Thank you, Samson. Um, my last two closing questions that I want to ask you, because you've already touched on one, it was related to purpose and you so beautifully explained your viewpoint on that. Um, I'd love to know what is a piece of advice that you would give to someone who is sitting with a burning desire on their heart to do something, whether it's starting a business venture or a side passion project or whatever it is, but they have fear or doubts getting in their way. Mm. Okay. There's three things, I think two or three things that come. And there's no specific order. Self-doubt is something that I've had to navigate for a lot of my life. And there's one thing <laughs> amongst many other things that has crippled me, that has debilitated me, it's been self-doubt. And... When the self-doubt intensifies, it's because I'm looking too far. Hmm. I'm, I'm looking too far. I mean, you mentioned fear. 
and fear a lot of times um, obviously can produce anxiety. And anxiety is only a worry or fear of the future. But how can we be afraid or worried about a future that hasn't happened because we have no data on it? Because it hasn't happened yet. So if we can't be afraid of a future, then what is it actually? It must be a past that we fear repeating. Mm, wow, that's that the, interesting. That the mind is just looking to predict a way to protect ourselves from. So we're looking too far. And ultimately, we're also afraid to repeat a past. There's a saying that says fear or nervousness or anxiety is just excitement without breath. So the first thing I would say is breathe. Mm. Like literally breathe. Like stop what you're doing and breathe. And then connect with yourself after you breathe. And from the place of where you've taken your breath and where you are regulated, write one simple action that is aligned with your vision and passion and do that. Oftentimes, when we are afraid or when we're anxious or when we're experiencing anxiety, is because we are we're overwhelmed, our systems overwhelmed first and foremost, but we now overwhelm the mind with just so many things that we have to do, as opposed to just knocking down the first domino. Yeah. So breathe. What is one thing you can do that is aligned to one simple action step? And then the last thing I would say, which is like, it's a two part, but I, I'll answer them together. So don't be afraid to get messy. Mm. I think that's the thing we were talking about where we once were, were a child and we were curious, right? Children, I have a five-year-old daughter. They're not afraid to get messy. As adults, we become over sanitized where we are afraid to get messy. We're afraid to play. So look for a way to bring the playful energetic back into this project and get messy. Because here's the reality. The vision that you are perceiving that's so perfect is not going to start off perfect. And as a matter of fact, you don't want it to start off perfect right now because if they were to give you the vision that you wanted completed, all intact and ready, would you be able to handle it right now? Mm. And the question, the answer is probably no, because the very path that you need to go to go on is there to help you enhance your ability, stretch your capacity, learn the skills. And here's the most important one. Become the person who can not only make the vision real, but sustain it because it is a part of you. Back to what we were saying about purpose. It's because it's not what you do, it's now who you are. Yeah. So breathe, come back to your body, and from the place where you've taken a breath for or a few breaths from, which should center you, 
What is one aligned action step you can take? Do it messy. Do it playfully. Be curious. Be the person who can handle the vision. And then last but not least, right? Do it from a place that's bigger than you. If you make it just about you, then you may not you may not get up in the morning, which is important. At least in some aspect, you do want to make it about you so you can fill your cup and energy. But bigger than that, it needs to be something that calls you forward. It's not a vision that pushes you. It needs to be a vision that pulls you. Oh, that's good. Right? Because sometimes when you're pushed, you may be pushed too far. But when you're pulled, something is is like it's it's attracting you. It's it's magnetically pulling you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I have. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Samson. Yeah. My last question for you, um, and you you actually mentioned this right before you were talking about breath coming, breath being the vehicle that brings you back home to yourself. And I love a good home analogy because that is my brand. <laughs> and this podcast is the yeah. homecoming podcast. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you on that topic, what is your favorite memory of home? Mm. 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 Oh, this is good. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, I don't remember specific date or year, but all I see is once my mom was, wasn't there, I, I had to step up and almost be the glue. No, not almost be the glue actually. And I was responsible for, you know, the Thanksgiving dinners and there was one, there was one memory where we called my mom. So yeah, I worked my butt off like overtime, overtime is back to like, again, something bigger than you fueling you. I worked my butt off just so we can have new furniture in the house with my siblings and stepfather. And so we can have legit food for Thanksgiving. And I remember that day, like I cooked the whole, I've cooked many meals, but I cooked the whole meal that day. And my mom phoned in. And I think it was maybe already three or four years after she was gone. And even though you can feel the desire for her to want to be there, is to feel her happiness on the phone while everybody was happy. And for me, like I just, it felt like it was slow motion for me, just watching everybody just enjoy the moment, enjoy the food, mm. enjoy the connection, enjoy the family. When I think of home, family is a big word for me, and it's been a principle and a pillar for even how I do business, honestly. Um, because the outside of the general understanding of what family is, I think there is a there is an element of the familial archetype that is wired into our experience as a humanity. 
right? Where there's a family within you, there's a family within your platonic family, there's the family as a city, as a nation, as a country, and then there's a family as a world. And that's built on connection ultimately. So for me, it's like, I, I remember, I, I can see it. I don't remember which Thanksgiving dinner it was, but I remember it was the one where I didn't feel like my mom wasn't much like pain because, because of what happened. She just, it felt like she was a part of it as well. And uh, yeah, that day, I mean, even though I was tired, I was filled with energy because of just being able to watch everybody just enjoy and almost, almost not be throttled down by the weight of the challenges and struggles that were happening at that time. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I just want to reflect that it's so incredible that the work that you do in the world today has so much, um, like I can feel the resonance of that memory in the work that you do of you bringing people together and, you know, maybe, you know, people coming, at least for myself again, like coming into the breathwork with all the things, but leaving with just peace. So it's, it's really interesting how that memory overlaps. And I just got that little ping as you were speaking. I'm like, I could see this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Samson. This was such an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful that you were open to coming on and yeah, we definitely have to do a part two in the future because we can keep diving into all these amazing topics, but to close, can you just share with people where they can find you if they want to work with you, where they can learn more about you? Yeah. So, uh, currently on Instagram, Samson's underscore strength, uh, feel free to shoot me a message where I put out, you know, what I share in my heart, the value I have to offer. You also find a lot of what is, uh, what I'm currently sharing and offering. Also, samsonobusanya.com, which is currently being, it's being redone at the moment. But if it's not up by the time you visit that, just, you know, through Instagram, you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so, so much again, Samson. Thank you so much. Hi again, it's me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you were able to garner some takeaways and nuggets for your personal home journey. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you left a rating and review. And if you'd like to connect deeper, find me at Studio Dumka on Instagram, where I share content on all things home, of course. (laughs) Sending a big, cozy, homey hug your way, friends. Till next time.